Hey folks, Mark here from The Two Stewards Show. This is episode 8, and we're embarking on a little mini-series about young people in the real estate market. So in this episode, we talk about why young people would even want to get into the real estate market, uh, the options that are available for them to do it, uh, how hard it is for young folks today to get into real estate, and uh, we'll explore some other options in, in other episodes, but for now, let's get into it. All right, welcome everybody back to the Two Stewards Show. My name is Brent. I'm here with Mark. Mark, and uh, today we got an interesting topic because we want to talk about um, young people uh, in the real estate market, and this has been something that we've both kind of heard a lot about recently, um, coming in from different channels. People asking, you know, how is it possible for a young person to buy a house today? Uh, are young people just going to be priced out of the market? And this is an emotionally driven conversation because a lot of people are um, thinking about their kids or their grandkids. And um, I guess there's not really an easy answer, an obvious answer. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping today to just kind of talk about this topic and shed some light on it from our perspective, what we're seeing on the streets. And hopefully... Uh, some of the young people who tune into this or parents of young people can kind of glean something. So um, with that in mind, uh, as a background, let's jump into this. Um, why? First of all, I think that it's important to know, like, why do you actually want to own a piece of real estate? Mm-hmm. Because the question is always, um, I'm a young person. I want to buy a piece of real estate. Why can't I do that? Because it's too expensive. Um and people think it's almost like a given that you just should buy a house. So why do you think that is? Like, why sh- why should you want to own a house? In short, <laughs> <laughs> so there's um, yeah, I guess there's a few different answers. We're coming from a real estate background where we can see and we've seen it happen with so many people, and it's a proven concept that real estate is the pathway to. Is wealth. a pathway to wealth. Not the only one, but it's the best. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, right? Like why it's the best pathway to grow uh, wealth and become financially independent over time. So we don't need to rehash all that. But that's like that's one strong reason. Not everybody's interested in that either. Um, we have a backdrop as well in North America of this emergence of the middle class, right? And, you know, Maybe not just North America, but uh, the sort of the Western world, the the emergence of the middle class, and that's sort of a unique phenomenon in history. But along with that, you know, our, our sort of recent memory um, means that we have this expectation, right? And that's just sort of a cultural thing that uh, you know our parents were able to get married, buy a house. And and get on with their lives, and we should be able to. Do yeah, the same and thing. in many cases, the parents were making, you know, um, like a single, like one one income, right? Yeah. Uh, dad goes to work, mom stays home with the kids, kind of thing. You have uh, one income, you're able to afford a nice, um, you know, family home, and so that expectation, I guess, is what you're saying. It carries forward to uh, generation to generation till today, when the next generation is growing up and they're looking at the housing market going, uh, why can't I have the same <laughs> life where, you know, one, one of the, uh, you know, one of the spouses works and, uh, the other one gets to stay home and take care of the kids. And, 
um yeah it's it seems unfair right like um and so yeah i guess that's why you're trying to you're trying to paint the picture of the historical framework um yeah the context for people so why so why what's another reason why you would want to own your own home though um like it's a good investment um but i think there's more to it like there's other aspects to home ownership that make it desirable um, yeah like it's not all just about money right i mean that that's important but um even i don't know if we kind of look at some um more biblical perspective right i know that if i want to and you know i know not everybody shares this perspective but biblically speaking we generally do right you want to get married find that that person that you can spend your life with and and praise god with uh and then also have children right and i know even that perspective is changing in uh, in some churches but you know generally yeah you're going to raise a family right so it's hard to raise a family in a one-bedroom apartment you can do that as a couple you can live in a one-bedroom apartment just fine um but you know once the uh, little bambinos start coming um it's things start to get tight right and we were talking about that earlier. I think you know people in that situation where that worked for a while, and now it's like, oh man, I, I'm kind of stuck in this place, and I got a bunch of kids. And yeah, I think that's where the word starter home, starter home comes from, right? Like you're, yeah. um, you know, you 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 get married, you you find a place, and that's usually you know, hey, we're not going to be living here forever. This is where we need to start. Yeah. Um, I think the. The, the pinch that everyone's feeling, uh, the young people especially, is that those starter homes are becoming, you know, less and less attainable. And they're almost like, you know, forever homes uh, for people. Once they get into them, they they have a hard time. Um, well, they, I guess they have a hard time attaining that starter home to begin with. But, mm-hmm. yeah, once they, once they get in, they kind of benefit from the appreciation of that and they can move to the next level. But it's those people who, who aren't able to buy, um, you know, a regular bungalow. Um, that are kind of getting left out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's tough, but um, yeah, I think there there are a lot of good reasons to own. And, you know, we I also hear the argument, people say like, you know, renting is, is, renting is better than owning because you're going to pay more. And it's true, right? Your, your mortgage payment may be lower than your rent payment, especially now. With so the, it might be prudent for a young person to rent, at least for a while. Financially, um, yeah, possibly while they're saving up, a, and so this is my opinion: while they're saving up a down payment, right? Um, you know, in the in the longer term, and so the argument is like I can rent, and then with the difference that you know the money that I would have to pay in whether it's you know property taxes, insurance, and especially upkeep of the home because there's costs towards that. Yeah, um, I can invest that. And then if I invest prudently, you know, I will, I will do better. So like, yeah, theoretically. Well, then eventually you'd be able to have enough savings to buy. No, just rent forever. Oh, okay. And then eventually you get your retirement fund uh, that you, from the, from that differential, right? So I think in practice though, like there's human nature and then there's also your investments because <laughs> people will typically use, right. They'll be like, well, if I do the S and P 500, here's the historical returns, right? Like who invests in the S and P 500 unless you're doing. Yeah. With an, an enough self control to, um, you know, not sell everything every time something changes or goes down or, um, 
Yeah, so you're kind of describing like a young person, they could either rent for their entire life and take the money that they save um, that they otherwise would have spent on home ownership costs, like property tax and all this other stuff, which is most of the time encapsulated in their rent. But um, they would put that in an investment product outside of real estate and hopefully have enough savings at the end of their kind of working career to retire off of that. Yeah. But yeah. if they don't have the self-control to not sell their stocks, and whatever, <laughs> at the end of the day, real estate is kind of a safe, safe vehicle, right? Well, yes, but this is one of the things that always irritates me when people are making the, the comparisons to real estate. And I've done, like I've written about this as well and done a side-by-side comparison of investing in the stock market versus investing in real estate, residential real estate. Residential real estate always comes out ahead. Um, but the one assumption that is always used for the stock market is that, again, you're, you're taking an index return over 50 years or whatever, right? When in fact, nobody ever does that. Like very rarely would somebody take, you know, their extra 500 bucks a month or whatever it is and put it into an ETF that is solely based on the S&P 500 or something like that, right? Typically, they're buying different stocks, mutual funds. I mean, I sold mutual funds uh, way back when. And um, yeah, often it was, it was (laughs) the mutual fund industry was designed, I felt, more for the the managers than the investors because of the yeah. uh, just all the fees and everything, right? Um, so when you you know you look at your returns, they're great, and then you take your fees and you're like, oh wow, the returns aren't actually that great. <laughs> so the the point is, people making these assumptions, like, show me a real world example of you know somebody who's not a financial genius, because yeah, maybe you could identify these stocks that are gonna yeah do really well, and you're a very active day trader, but most people aren't like that, so. In reality, I don't think that works. And then you, you said something else too. Um, mostly, <laughs> this is a tangent here. <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. Um, no, mostly uh, you said that's all encapsulated by rent, right? All yeah. the costs of home ownership, and yeah, that makes sense, right? Nobody is going to, sorry, very few people are going to rent out their house for less than the carrying costs of that yeah, house. Than what it costs to and, own it. Yeah, sometimes you'll it. you'll be break even because you're you're counting on equity growth and stuff. So here's where I think the opportunity uh, is for uh, in terms of renting. So if you, if you choose not to buy a piece of real estate and you think it's um, better to rent and, um, and then invest the difference um, that that's definitely one avenue. But where I think that can go well is if you can rent something below your means, like if you can find something that Mm -hmm. no one wants to live in because it's so cheap, or whatever right you can really get ahead because um those places do exist right and yep. they might take a bit of digging and it might take a quite a bit of a sacrifice in terms of lifestyle um to get into that we could talk about that when it comes to um actually buying your house too and living a sacrificial lifestyle in your own home but when it comes to renting like you know you can find a really nice house and rent it but it's going to be expensive or mm-hmm. you could find like you know uh you know fifth floor of apartment building, one bedroom, little thing for, you know, whatever they're going for, right? <laughs> probably 1200 bucks, <laughs> but, um, they're, they're in, in not such a great area. Right. And if you live there for a number of years and you, and you sacrifice everything else and you can, um, you can definitely expedite your savings and grow them quicker. Right. Yeah. And actually there's, um, there's another aspect that uh, I guess doesn't get talked about a lot, but when you're talking about sort of biblical values, right? Hospitality is um, 
is another important uh, aspect, right? Something that we need to practice. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can practice hospitality from your one-bedroom uh, apartment for sure. But I know, you know, just from experience, it's a lot easier uh, to practice hospitality with if you have more space, like yeah. if you had a house. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, well, no, for example, we have, yeah. um, we've got our basement apartment. I don't think we lost some, uh, lost some video there, but the audio is still working, so we'll carry on. Um, uh, yeah, basement apartment that we don't rent out anymore. We, you know, did Airbnb and we did long-term rental, but now we just kind of have that available. And it's it's often family, but uh, sometimes other people as well. And that's just an option you don't have. Yeah. Um, if you're in in a smaller space, so you know this is maybe not like the primary reason, but it's another reason I think for uh, like a good reason to to have a space where there's a bit more room and you can welcome people into your home. And yeah, yeah, you can do that in an apartment too, but a bit easier if you've got a house and a little bit more space, especially if you've got outdoor space, right? Yeah, no, that that is a, that is a fair point. Um, yeah, I just think um, when we talk specifically about young people, um, many, many times like you're getting into this, right? You're not... Um, likely don't have kids, you know, going to school, you don't have big, whatever, like it's kind of, you know, you and your wife and you just go off and, um, you know, you kind of have your careers starting up, you have a lot of things on the go. So you're, um, yeah, a space that works for that period of your life. Yeah. Um, I think, um, is, is prudent to, to try and find something that's below your means or significantly below your means for, for duration but anyway so that kind of paints a picture of like why you'd want to actually buy a house i think there's other aspects to it as well like um you know there's the investment so you want you have your uh, money going towards something that you own Mm -hmm. but then there's also like um like not just your money but also your time so like you know on saturday afternoon if you want to you know build a deck on your house but you rent like it's not going in your pocket, right? It doesn't make sense. No. So for those who are handy or who, you know, maybe they work in the trades, maybe they, uh, you know, like to um, put time in or to try different DIY projects or whatever the case, um, you know, owning your own home, especially when you're young and you have a bit of time um, available, then um, there's a lot of benefits to being able to put some sweat equity in and build the value of your home up over time. Um, cause it's amazing what, what, if you, if you kind of dedicate yourself to it, what you can do over like the course of three, four five years, um, to improve the value of your home. Absolutely. Um, and that's a mindset thing too, I think, right? Sort of that long-term, like I have something, I have to take care of it. I'm, I'm going to do things now that will benefit me in the future or benefit my family in the future. And like, because we've talked about sort of the consumerist mindset of our society, right? Where it's yeah. instant gratification. Whereas you're sort of for- forced, if you own a home, and especially if it's that starter home that's not great, like you prioritize, you live a little bit sacrificially because um, not everything is, is like wonderful and new and, and awesome, like the houses that you're renovating uh, <laughs> and putting out. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, there's just you have that timeline where, you know, okay, we're going to make slow, steady improvements. And, uh, I don't know. I think there's something, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm overstating it, but something a little bit noble about that as well, where, 
you're just you know, you're suffering a little bit. I mean, you're not suffering. Okay, that that's that's going too far. But um, we're just you have a longer sort of t- time frame, yeah, uh, time preference of um, of your of your lifestyle, right? Where it's not that. I need to have everything fancy right now, even though exactly. I'm young. I need a nice car, a nice truck. I yeah. need, you know, fancy whatever it is. And um, yeah, okay. So but, but to sum that all up, to say like, you know, there you could rent. Um, there's advantages to that if you can, um, like financially speaking, to to like that's what we're talking about, right? Like stewarding yeah. um, your wealth wisely. Um, so there's advantages to renting for a time um, if you can be prudent and invest on the side and be mindful to do that and take sacrifices in your standard of living. Um, but there is a significant number of reasons for buying your own house. And, and I think a lot of people who are going to be listening to this are definitely on board, right? So yeah. they're on board, they want to buy their house, but they can't. So it's still out of reach, Mark. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys are talking about this cause you already bought a house back whatever, right? 10 years yeah. ago. Why, you know, why, like, why should I listen to you? Like, um, you know, what's my options? And so maybe, maybe somebody who hasn't bought a house, like they want to know what are the steps to even buy a house, first of all, before we even get into like, how do, how do we address the fact that it's out of reach for somebody? Like, how do they get a house um, to begin with? Like, what's the process like? Yeah. So the first, the the process starts, you know, way before you want to actually buy your house. I think most people are aware of this, but, you know, let's spell it out a little bit. You need a down payment, right? You're, uh, and that's, again, one of the things that we love about real estate is that leverage aspect. So you do not have to save up 100% of the house price. And again, this is sort of a Western thing, right? In a lot of other countries, um, you either have to have at least 50% or 100%, excuse me, of the value of the home. Uh, saved up so you're just doing a cash purchase right so that like that's a beautiful thing where in north america in canada specifically where we are you need if you're a first-time home buyer uh, you need five percent of the purchase price and then you also need to keep in mind there's closing costs there's you know like lawyers and loan <laughs> transfer and and uh, other things that may pop up so you need to have some uh, some money aside for that as well um, so yeah, the first step is saving up that down payment and that's going to take a little while and it's going to mean, um, maybe a different lifestyle, right? Depending on how much you're saving up while you're meeting all your other obligations. But yeah, that often we see that young people are scrimping and saving and they're not doing, you know, vacations or having a nice car, all these things that you talked about, right? Which, um, when we think back to the, you know, quote unquote, good old days when you're able to do this on a single income, right? There wasn't nearly the consumerist mindset that there is now as well. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm not totally, that's not, that's not the difference here, the differing factor, but it is a factor. Yeah. That a lot of pe- people don't get like, what do you mean I can't go to Florida every, yeah, go every <laughs> six months on a flight somewhere. Like when our parents or grandparents, we're working they hard fl- and bought, bought that first home. <laughs> they right? might have flew to immigrate to this country, but that's about <laughs> yeah. the only time. <laughs> that's right. That's the only cruise they were on is a cattle ship to get here. <laughs> yeah. But even like further on in, this, in the 70s and, and so forth, right? There wasn't nearly the consumerist mindset that there is now. So, you know, maybe there are less options to spend your money, I guess, 
you can always spend your money foolishly, but that's one uh, <laughs> that's one thing. I forgot where I was going with that. Well, yeah, I oh, just what, thought you as you it? were talking about that, because like we're talking about what's what are the steps to buying a house, and the first thing you said is obviously saving up, and that's before we even buy the house. But um, in the back of people's heads is, hey, I've been saving up for a while now, and the house price just keeps running away from me. And that was yeah. kind of what we talked about, about inflation, right? And yep. um, I think – um, there's something to point out that you kind of mentioned, um, before we were recording, but, um, you know, the fact that you kind of want to, um, get in soon, yeah. right? Like, like it, it's almost like the ship that's sailing and if you can get on, um, you can sail along with it. But, um, if you don't make a decision, um, at some point and make it happen, um, it, it might sail away from you and it might, it might be this gradual thing that happens at first, but then it might take off. And like, there's other parts of the world where homeownership is not as prevalent because like we talked about Europe, yeah. um, you know, where, where a significant number of people rent because the house prices just doesn't make sense to own. Um, but yeah, here, um, uh, we're kind of on the cusp of, you know, if you can take action and make it work, make sacrifices. And I think, uh, it's going to probably take, um, a couple of things like educating yourself, uh, on, the whole subject as well as you know uh beg borrowing stealing to kind of expedite maybe your savings. not stealing yeah not stealing but uh <laughs> <laughs> that's a saying uh <laughs> i don't know who says it um they yeah they say so um yeah you 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 basically have to um save up the down payment but if you can't save it up faster than um inflation eats up the purchasing power of it um you almost have to take more drastic action and if you believe it's uh important for you to own and you think it's suitable that you know you're the kind of person who would you know maintain a property fix it up you can um, maximize the potential of the piece of land um possibly you're renting out portions of it or uh, whatever the case wherever it is right it could be like storage like just rent your garage out it could be your basement you could live in the basement rent the main floor we can talk about that later too yeah um house hacking and stuff but um yeah just uh yeah you want to make sure you kind of get on the ship (laughs) (laughs) whatever way you can um yeah, and that's that's often, you know, if we're talking to young folks, we're like, we're just get in. Now, don't dive blindly in and like buy the wrong thing. Get some, uh, get someone to help you um, get the right place. But yeah, just get in. You mentioned Europe, right? And I like, I really think we're on uh, on the way to that sort of model of um, of home ownership or renting or whatever, right? So it's there's not the stigma in, in most of Europe that we have here uh of renting. against renting yeah like where homeowners are on one level and renters are on sort of a, a lower level right there it's it's perfectly normal and there's there's a few reasons for that like one of them is that they have a much longer history of um of land ownership and house prices just getting out of reach <laughs> for them uh and there's different models as well right you like you you can have multi-generational mortgages where it's just the like you own the house, but that just passes through the family. So you could have a hundred year mortgage or something in certain countries, right? And that's just uh, it's what you got to do to make it work. So when people are, are talking here, like, oh, house prices can't possibly go up further. Yeah, they can. They can. And and 
it's been thrown around here, right? Extending yeah. amortizations to 50 years, 60, 70, whatever, right? Maybe not seriously, but I think government's going to gonna go that route at some point. So my personal opinion, we're going to be uh, looking at that model in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and, and house prices are just going to go along with that. The, um, what were we, uh, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about the scarcity of oh, land. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And just, just get in. Yeah. So that's what we kind of tell people. Like there's, there's bumps on the road and, you know, with COVID we saw a crazy spike in prices and it's dropped back down and people are like, see, I told you there was a bubble. Like, no, there wasn't. Yeah. There was a, maybe a little bit of a bubble. Yeah. Uh, during COVID, but overall, the real estate market is not in a bubble. It's not going to be, and it's going to continue to rise, and it's going to continue to become more unaffordable. So, this is another another reason taking a longer view. So, um, for people to to get into it and to be prudent and to have home ownership is for their kids, right? When I look at my kids now. I know it's hard for younger folks to get into the market now and to um, uh, like to buy a house. I can only imagine for my five-year-old how hard it's going to be for him to get a place. Yeah. So if I'm thinking ahead a little bit, I want to get a place. I want to get some real estate where I can make that available, make a down payment available to him when the time comes. And yeah, I know that's like. People are going to scream privilege, and <laughs> I know not everybody can do that. Yeah, right. But you know, if you're in that place where you're kind of struggling right now, think about your kids or maybe your future children. What are you going to do for them? Yeah, and if you could help them out, why wouldn't you? Yeah, right? because this is an option in in Canada, yeah. it's, and it's not even just your kids. It's um, you know, it could be your church community as well. Because you look at. A lot of yeah. things, um, a lot of things need money, right? Donations. Uh, there's calls for donations from churches, schools, um, you name it, all different causes, right? And that money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you're if you're kind of not um, owning assets that kind of keep up with inflation, and um, you know maybe you can make it work, but your kids, like you said, <laughs> the next generation of the community is not going to be able to, um, you know, sustain the current um, things we have, the current institutions that are in place and um, let alone improve them. Right. So. Um, yeah. And people sometimes will give us a little bit of grief too, for talking about building wealth. Like, Oh, why are you so focused on money? And you know, you can't serve two masters. That's, that's true, but you can serve one master using uh, money, right? Not mammon, not like that love of money and that, that where it's, it's entrenched in your soul. But you realize that it's it's another tool, and you mentioned there's there's a lot of needs in the community, and it's a biblical uh, imperative as, as well is to take care of the widow, the orphan, right? All these people. You can't do that if you can barely take care of yourself. There's other ways with you, you know with your time, with energy that you can be involved for sure. Uh, but it sure helps a lot if you have financial resources mm -hmm. to be able to help people out. Because often, like you said, that's what it comes down to is money, right? You can yeah. sit with somebody and that's important. Sit with them, pray with them, be a friend, um, share the gospel. But at a certain point, you know, if somebody just lost their job in your community and you've got yeah. to support them, um, 
you know, a cup of tea is nice, but <laughs> they got to pay their, their rent. Or yeah, their they need to live or, somewhere. Or whatever, right? So um, all, these are all good reasons for us to focus on wealth, not as uh, an end to itself, but as an end to a different means. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so for a young person. Yes. Yeah. We got off track a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so now they know they definitely want to invest. They want to build their wealth. They, that's a prudent thing to do. They also want to buy a house. Um, some of the ways to do it, they got to obviously save up. Um, 5% is kind of the minimum. 5% is actually an insured, um, mortgage, right? Because yeah. so, so what that means basically is, um, when you buy a house, um, you know, as you put less and less um, down payment down, mm-hmm. um, so you have less equity in the deal, um, you know, it becomes more and more risky. So uh, at under 20% of a down payment, uh, that's a threshold where um, the mortgage has to be insured. Yeah. So meaning if you don't pay it, um, the insurance will pay for your mortgage. Um, so there's insurance premiums yep. uh, when you go less than twenty percent, and uh, and uh, if you've ever tried to buy a house, the first time home buyer program, like you you can get five percent, but there is going to be this premium that's added to the end of your mortgage, um, and that just pays for the insurance uh, premiums, right? So I don't think that's such a bad thing, anyways, because if you look at the opportunity cost of money, especially with the value of houses. <laughs> I would rather every time put 5% down and pay a small extra premium because I know I can take that other 15% like if I had it yeah, uh, and like buy another house or put it to work somewhere else yeah. and I can more than cover the additional cost of those insurance So premiums. the idea is that that 5% is a program specifically for first-time home buyers. Yeah. Like it's not available to investors who have a property already You want to buy a second one. Yeah. Or multiple properties because, yeah, like you said, <laughs> people see the value of leveraging <laughs> up their money and, and that would uh, get out of control. So, um, yeah, so so somebody puts 5% down. Um, they do have to be aware of the closing costs. You mentioned that before. Like yep. you're going to have some legal fees when you close on a house. Um, and usually when you're buying, you're not paying the, the commission. That's in the like for the realtors. Yep. That's in the in the sale that's right. uh, price and the, the seller pays. Um, but yeah, there will be, there'll be a number of different closing costs that you have to be aware of and have the financial means to pay, but, um, usually not too significant. But I think another thing to be mindful of when you're buying a house, uh, for the first time is you've got your down payment, you've got your closing costs, but you're also probably going to have some sort of, uh, renovations or improvements. Um, mm-hmm. especially when you're getting into like for young people, they're going to be getting into a cheaper house, something that's. Um, you know, uh, in a poor state of repair, maybe, um, you know, that's why it's maybe undervalued on the market and they can get in. Um, so they're going to either have to have the skills and time to, to fix it up, or they're going to have to have some money set aside, um, at the very least just to carry the property, um, and make sure that you can pay the mortgage, um, every month. Um, so when I look at it, I think I see opportunities in, um, properties that have future potential. Um, and I look for, um, like I would advise a young person to avoid something like a condo. Mm -hmm. Uh, so condo is one category where you have, uh, fees that and restrictions imposed upon you by the condo corporation that you can't really avoid. Another class of things I would try and avoid is something, basically something where 
the land is kind of at its highest and best use. So a recently right. built home, uh, more dense, um, densely populated areas where like, you know, you have townhomes, uh, semi-detached, whatever, where the land that the home is built on is kind of maximized already. Um, and there's no future potential. Like in 10 years, you can't um, build something, build another unit. Because really, we talk about home prices going up every year and, you know, land values going up every year. Part of the reason that is, is because, um, you know, as we get increased population in the area, um, the city allows increased density mm-hmm. in those in each individual lot. So if you're shopping for a house or a residential lot and, um, you know, right now it's a single family home, you know, in five, 10 years, the city might allow six units on there. Yeah. Who knows, right? And where the where the way the the density and the, the the population growth is trending, like the demographic situation, it's very likely that um, we're going to have increased um, density. It's just going to become the norm. It's become easier. It's going to become cheaper in terms of fees um, to convert homes that are single family homes to multi um, unit properties. Mm-hmm. So when you say the price can't go up, like there is the one aspect that, yeah, it can because of the monetary background and the econ- like the macroeconomic situation. But um, it's also just, you know, it has to, we have to fit more people on the land that we have. So if you own a, you know, like I guess a standard lot in the, in the city, maybe it's like a 50 by a hundred or 50 by 120 uh, piece of land, you know, you can now all of a sudden do a lot more with it. So, um, my advice generally to young people is like, you know, if you're on the cusp of being able to afford something, but it's a condo or a townhouse or something mm-hmm. like that, like, and that's your decision, you know, maybe you just want to get in the market and get it and that's all you want to do. But I would, uh, I would strongly consider, um, you know, getting uh, a partner, like finding another person who can go in with you or, you know, a parent or, uh, some other, um, party who can maybe, uh, boost your down payment and your qualifications so you can actually buy something that um, has a bit of land and has more future potential because um, yeah you're gonna you're gonna spend a number of years in this house or you're gonna rent it out or whatever the case um, and down the road you're gonna be able to take advantage of that value right so whether or not you're gonna actually develop it into multiple units or um, take advantage of that or you're just going to sell it to somebody who will, mm-hmm. that person's going to pay more for the land too. Right. So, um, anyways, that, <laughs> I kind of glossed over, I guess the, uh, um, the, the qualification aspect of this whole thing too, because, um, you know, yeah, you have to save for the down payment. Um, you're going to get an insured mortgage, but you do have to qualify for a loan too. And maybe we should touch on that, um, briefly. Did we talk about that? No, I don't think we did. Yeah, so qualification is is important. And one thing I just want to mention is, um, you know, for the down payment, you can get a gift from a family member. So in Canada, I think that's pretty well unlimited. Uh, in the states, I think it's limited to like fifteen thousand or something. So, but there's other other rules in the states that can make it a lot easier to uh, to get that first home. Right, instead of five percent, you could be down to three percent or one percent with different. So uh, why do young people live in credits. Canada? <laughs> Well, that's a good point. And we're seeing an exodus from Toronto, especially from Ontario, of, uh, yeah. of young families because they simply can't afford it. And then if you, you know, it's not easy to, to migrate to the States. 
Um, but you know, if you have that option, yeah, why wouldn't you go somewhere where a the house prices are generally, and depending where you are, much cheaper, and um, where you have just a lot of different financing options. So, I mean, I don't want to put that out there as an option, but it sort of is an option. Find somewhere else that's more affordable. But we'll, we'll touch on that in a, in a minute and sort of the, uh, like, the what, what you're buying. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring up the, the down payment. So, you know, if you can, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's any shame in, in getting a gift from your parents or your grandparents. Now, generally when you get that gift, it has to be accompanied by a letter saying this is a gift with no expectation of repayment. But that doesn't mean down the road you couldn't gift your parents or your family back uh, an equivalent amount of money, right? That's uh, that's an option. And, uh, and yeah, one of the reasons that I said, you know, if you're doing it now, think about your kids, right? Will you be able to actually help them out in that scenario? So the other thing, yeah, qualifications you talked about, you need to be earning money. So here's another argument for getting in right away. Generally, generally, younger folks are working jobs. Right, they're just getting into the job market, uh, and they're getting experience. And we've talked about, you know, starting your own business. Um, usually, young people aren't doing that immediately. Mm-hmm. And if you have your own business, if you're self-employed, it's way harder to get a mortgage. Right, you have to have like a lot of a lot of income, and a good mortgage broker can help you out with the qualifications here. But you know, just generally speaking, it's a lot harder. So if you've got a decent job, or maybe two jobs because you're both working, you don't have any kids. Maybe you um, got two jobs yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or three. Right? I don't know. Yeah, now like when you're young and you can do it, um, like that's the time. Make that money, get the qualifications so you can get at least that first property, right? And because typically, as you get older, in church communities as well there's more obligations later on, right? Usually young folks are not elders or deacons. Yeah, time Um, commitments. Yeah, all these things. Yeah, committees, school boards, all this stuff. There's not a lot of 22-year-olds that are are on (laughs) these, right? I mean, like there are some, especially with promotions. Well, and the bank sees the T4 uh, income as like, you know, the safe, dependable source of money, right? So when you're qualifying for a mortgage, you go and you, you have your down payment, Maybe part of it's a gift and you show the bank, hey, look, I'd like to buy this. They're going to say, well, how are you going to pay for this loan? Well, I have a T4 job and I've had it for two years or a year or whatever. And here's my pay stubs. And the bank's going to say, okay, great. Like, you know, um, but whereas if you have a business and and a lot of times I think uh, young people who start a business, like they kind of go in this a little bit blind and they they think it's kind of glamorous to own a business. And it is like it's 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 a lot of work and it, there can be a lot of reward to it if you do it right but yeah. if if you if you hit into the stumbling block of like the home qualification that, that that's a big obstacle for a lot of people and especially when you're young if you do make money in in your own business and you want to buy a house you might have a good down payment and and you know a good cash flow to support a mortgage, but yep. you can't get a loan because <laughs> the bank does looks at your self-employment income and says, well, what if you don't make that money tomorrow? Like who knows, right? Yeah. So in that case, you actually need to, um, you need to have two years of, uh, of history with your company. Yeah. And a lot of the times people who have businesses like, you know, there's tax, um, mm-hmm. reasons for not claiming income, 
right? There's strategic ways to kind of plan your company and personal finances such that, you know, you don't have to pay uh, as much tax. Well, you know, uh, the bank doesn't like that either. So uh, when you go to qualify for a loan and you own your own business, you have to, you have to pay yourself uh, the money that you otherwise might not have, which means you need to pay tax on it. So yeah, it's uh, (laughs) (laughs) the devil's in the details with this one, I guess. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the glamorous part of uh, self-employment, by the way. I don't know when that comes. Is it like five years in, 10 years? Yeah, I don't know. You're just a glamorous guy, Mark. <laughs> you got to create your own glamour a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of glamorous. I think people uh, have this concept in their heads of what it could be like. Uh, like they see other people running their own business and they say, you know what, like that um, – you know, I, I like kind of the freedom, the autonomy of what they're doing, right? Like they don't have to be here nine to five, like they can do whenever they want, right? And, um, you know, uh, that that might be attractive, but it, yeah, it, it can be really uh, financially rewarding as well. Um, but yeah, the, 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 if you're looking to buy or invest in property, then uh, a key thing to consider is mortgage qualification and don't run into the the roadblock of, you know, uh, having a great job and then not buying a house and then starting your own business. And two months later you want to buy a house. Well, it's not (laughs) going to happen or not, not very easily. So there are options, obviously, if you have your own business to, to buy, um, but yeah, you're going to be paying, uh, pay more, pay more, right. You're going to pay more to borrow because you're more risky. So, uh, whether or not you are more risky is (laughs) whatever, but the banks who are underrating, your uh, your loan are going to say, well, you are. So you're going to pay a higher interest rate. You're going to pay uh, borrowing fees like a, a lender's fee and stuff like that. So, And at a certain point, you will hit that roadblock like we did, um, being self-employed. And yeah, where they're just, you just, you can't qualify for, for anything else, right? Whereas people with a, a T4 income... Um, Which is just a regular job income, yeah, right? Like yeah, a regular a, job. You have an employer... Yeah. third party yeah no like you have a much easier time getting to five properties and even to 10 before you get to look at some different um more creative methods of uh, of financing but i mean you know if you have a portfolio of five or ten properties you got different things to worry about. yeah yeah so. so so maybe we can touch about how much time we got here maybe we can touch on uh, the mindset um aspect of this too because um, I don't know if it's a cultural thing for young people or what, where they're at, but I think every young person is different, but maybe there's some trends that are going on. And, um, I think it's key to remember that, you know, if you want a home, like you, you have to work for it, you're going to have to put in the time, you're going to have to struggle for a while. Um, and it, the other thing with home ownership or buying properties, like one thing to actually get the home is another thing to keep it and maintain it. And, um, there is an aspect of, um, you know, I think people who don't have a house who kind of say, I want one and they don't understand all the, the, <laughs> the maintenance and the upkeep that is required. So that, that's something to, to bear in mind, right? And just in terms of mindset, like when you're approaching this and you're thinking, you know, I'd love to buy a house and I think it's a good idea. It's a good investment. Um, just be prepared um, in your mindset that like, you know, once I get this property, um, I'm committed to it and this is the one I'm sticking with and I got to cut the grass. I got to shovel the snow. I got to fix the roof. I got to, you know, keep 
whatever, keep on top of everything. Right. And there's costs mm-hmm. associated with that. Um, there's time, right. You're going to have sacrifices. You're not going to be able to, you know, hang out with your friends or do everything you want to all the time because there's stuff to be done. So. Yeah. And like, here's a little bit of a shout out to the trades as well. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of young folks getting into the trades rather than, um, going into like, yeah, what is frankly a, a pretty toxic atmosphere in most post-secondary, um, uh, institutions right now. And, uh, you know, stop me before I go on a tangent, but, um, <laughs> you know, trades have sometimes been kind of looked down upon, right? Especially by people who have sort of that post-secondary education and like, well, this is, you know, you just have to, and there's, there's an expectation, I think in some circles as well that, you know, there's sort of two tracks of life and, and one is you go off to university and that's what you do if you're responsible and smart. And then for the other people, like you go and do a trade or, or do something else, right? Something more technical. And, uh, like, I don't buy that at all. And I've met a lot of smart, uh, folks in the trades. And yeah, I met a lot of dumb people too, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, like, this is a valid option. And, and if you happen to be in the trades, um, you know, you generally, whether you're, uh, you know, uh, uh, an electrician or a plumber or, you know, something more technical, Typically, you can, being on job sites, you learn and pick up things from other folks around you on the job site so that if you have a home, it's much easier, uh, like you already have some of the skills and you can learn stuff, tons of stuff on YouTube out there, but, you know, basic home repairs. So I just want to, I don't know, that's one of my little uh, soapboxes is like young people and the trades. This is a really valid, um, a valid path for them. But yeah, you because that can save you so much money if you can do repairs yourself. You have to do them right and up to code and all that jazz. But, um, you know, get a quote for doing something versus doing it yourself, right? I mean, rule of thumb that I, I always use anyways is, you know, you take your materials and then multiply that by three, and that's sort of ballpark as to what it would cost you to have somebody do um, do a job. So if you can buy the materials... And then you have spare time where you're not working anyways, right? That's your leisure time, so you're not, like, losing any money. Um, you're just paying the cost of materials, and you install those materials. You're saving, like, two-thirds of the cost at least, right? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, that – so that's once the, the person gets the house, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know if we've really answered uh, the whole quandary around uh, whether or not uh, young people will be able to afford a house, but I think we really push for people to try. Yep. Um, there's valid reasons to do that, um, to be, uh, to be prepared to suffer in a sense and sacrifice uh, standard of living, at least for a season in your life. Um, and that, that comes out of like, you know, um, live below your means. I think that's just kind of uh, a good piece of advice in general, but uh, when it comes to being able to afford uh, a home in the future, like a lifestyle, um, where you have a little bit more freedom, autonomy, you can, you know, take your kids here and there and do different things, um, and help others. Uh, if you ever want to be able to, uh, be of assistance in a big way, yeah. um, yeah, you kind of want to, um, live like no one else so that later you can live like no one else, right? Like everyone else might be, um, you know, out, you know, doing whatever with their time, 
whereas you're you know you're screwing floorboards down or you're <laughs> insulating your uh, basement apartment and you know you're covered in uh, insulation and um, you know all your buddies are out hanging out and golfing and doing whatever and it it seems like you know why am I doing that like I went through that in a, a period of my life as well and like mm-hmm. it's still it's still uh, reflect upon that a lot because yeah at a certain point um, you know those experiences build your character and they mm-hmm. um, change you into um, you know to realize the value of those activities to realize the value of um, that work and then. Um, you know, to value that accordingly when you make investments moving forward. But then, um, yeah, once you, um, once you have a property and you're, um, you're ready to move on to your next one, like, yeah, you know what it's worth, you know, what, uh, yeah, you know what, uh, to what look for in the next one too, right. The mistakes that people made. So anyways, I'm going around in circles here. Um, yeah, maybe, um, I think maybe we, this is a good point to kind of wrap up. And then maybe uh, our next episode, we can talk specifically about house hacking, because I think that's um, yeah, that's that's a good topic. We can uh, we can delve into a little bit more. Yeah, cool. Okay, so um, for young people, hopefully you took something out of this episode, and hopefully uh, um, it doesn't paint too bleak of a picture. We hope to also in other episodes discuss um, uh, the reasons behind why all of this stuff is happening, and and get into um, you know the background and it's not just, you know, guys, this is the house prices are getting away from me. Why, you know, what's going on? We hope to answer that question in more depth as episodes go on, because um, it's a little bit too much to cover in this particular uh, show, but hopefully you took something from this and uh, you can learn from it. So until next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the two stewards show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.